You are now listening to the Q&E Podcast. Is this what you want? Huh? Is this what you want? Well, try again, What's up, everybody? You are listening to the Q&E Podcast, and you're here with your boy Q Hicks right now. And I got Edgar on the other line. Edgar, tell the people what's good. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Q&E Podcast, man. Today, we got a lot of basketball news for y'all with the NBA coming up on playoff time right now. So we we got our awards for the year. We got a couple of all-NBA, all-decade segments to go through. Uh, the NCAA March Madness Tournament for the women and men are now over. So we're going to go over uh, some of our favorite moments from uh, from those championship games. And then y'all know we're coming with the entertainment current events and all that great stuff so really good episode for y'all today a lot of entertainment too <laughs> like this is the most entertainment i think we've ever had so definitely definitely be ready for that but if this is your first time listening to the q e podcast we do have five segments we have our sports segment two wild wednesdays social media wants to know entertainment and current events and also pass the ox and we have some movies that we will be reviewing we will talk about that on the end it's because it's a couple of movies that i want to talk about i seen some previews for when i uh, went to see morbius that I want us mm-hmm. to dive into. So we're going to dive into all that later in the episode. But the first thing I did want to talk about was March Madness. The championship has passed us. Kansas ended up defeating UNC in heartbreaking fashion and in comeback fashion. So definitely shout out to all the Kansas fans. That is their first championship since 2008. So definitely shout out to Bill Self. I was hearing a lot of rumors that he could be looking at the NBA or he could be looking at retiring. So Hearing all of those rumors and for him to cap off possibly his career with a championship was a big deal. So definitely shout out to Kansas. But Edgar, what was your reaction to the entire Final Four? I was very surprised. Uh, well, just to go over the championship game real quick, I was really surprised that North Carolina gave up the lead that they did, considering the fact that they've been the ones playing better from behind. They've been the ones playing better in close games. So it was just it was weird to see them give up I, I want to say what was it a 15 point lead they had at the end of the first half so I, I just thought that was crazy but UNC played phenomenal throughout this entire tournament other than that second half of that championship game but my final four takeaway in total uh Kansas definitely surprised me although they were one of my top five teams to look out for I didn't have them in my top three they were like in that last fourth or fifth spot and I had them next to Texas I believe so uh, shout out to Kansas. They did a great job. Um, played a lot of big man basketball when it really mattered. And I and uh, I agree to your point. The guard play, the guard play played a huge um, part in it as well. Remy Martin came up clutch in that national championship. Without him, they don't win that game. With Ochai Abaji struggling throughout the whole matchup, they, Kansas was really looking for anybody. Even though they came back in the second half without that spark from Remy Martin, where he scored like. 13 of his points in the second half like those points were necessary and in the clutch last five minutes when North Carolina was starting to get back in the game it was close going back and forth Remy Martin was hitting the big shots down the stretch so definitely shout out to him I'm glad that he got his on the way out as well playing at Arizona State for four years not having any NCAA tournament success going to Kansas in his first year after the transfer winning it all definitely congratulations to him but I definitely want to say a big shout out to UNC I picked them to win the championship but big salute to them because I did not expect them to do anything in this NCAA tournament before this. So to see them in this position, got to give a huge shout out to Hubert Davis, man. 
Come in after a Hall of Famer and Roy Williams and taking your team all the way in the national championship in your first year and accomplishing all that you accomplished, beating a couple of number one seeds. I mean, knocking off Duke in a historic matchup in the final four. Like, bro, Hubert Davis knocked down some huge barriers for, uh, for black coaches, man. So definitely shout out to him. And shout out to Villanova and also Duke as well. Coach K got his ass out of here. I was happy as fuck to see that <laughs> shit. But uh, definitely shout out to Villanova too. Yeah, and it was crazy just to your Hubert Davis point. Not only did he beat a couple of number one seeds to get to the national championship, not only did he follow up Roy Williams' great uh, coaching career by starting his off with such a phenomenal season, but he knocked down Coach K multiple times in the season. Like, that. that's just crazy to me. So you, you ended his career – on a bad I'm note, also hearing some rumors though. in UNC eyes. <laughs> but I'm also hearing some rumors that Coach K, he ain't really trying to get gone for real. He trying to stick around. And I told my mom that after the game, I said, it's no way Coach K can lose twice to UNC and go out like that. Even though he went to the Final Four, which is a big deal, losing to UNC the last two times he played them is going to leave a sour taste in his mouth. I bet money he would have rather beat UNC in the regular season and lost in the first round, then go all the way this far and lose the UNC this way? Nah, I feel like he's going to come back just to get that sour taste out of his mouth, bro. I don't think he's really done. He has a good recruiting class coming in once again. We always know Duke is going to have the talent. I just think he wants to get that sour taste of UNC out of his mouth. I don't really think he cares about the championship because his legacy is his legacy. So you think he's having like a Brady moment where yes. we, we said the same thing about Brady because <laughs> yes. Brady Brady didn't get to the Super Bowl and he didn't win MVP. And I was saying that when he came back, I, I told you on the episode a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, Brady probably felt like, look, I'm getting one of these <laughs> in my final season. So the fact that he went home earlier than expected, he didn't get a Super Bowl and he didn't win MVP. Those are three things that he's like, no, nah, I got to get at least one before I really call it done. And I, I think that's what Coach K is probably going to do, to your point. I won't be surprised if he's for real and, I, and he's like, hey, I'm done. But don't be shocked if he comes back and say, hey, I got to get at least that UNC hump off of my back. Yeah, because he did all of the post-game press conference like he was done, bro. But we've seen that from the, the Brett Favre's in the past. We've seen it from a lot of coaches that say, Nah, this isn't what I want. Maybe a month after mm -hmm. the, the retirement, he says, okay, I want to do this full time. And I'm pretty sure the coaching staff will let him do it because he is Coach K. They will let him come back to, to their team. So I'm hearing rumors that it's in the cards right now. I just don't think he wants the sour taste of UNC. I don't even think it's about a championship at this point. He got to the Final Four this season. He really doesn't give a fuck about that shit. He wants to beat UNC, bro. <laughs> if he beats UNC in the last time they played, he will be satisfied with his entire career but he does not want to go out like that. And moving on, let's dive into the NBA awards. So you already know that we got the MVP, coach of the year, most improved, six man. So many things that we have to dive into. And we're also going to touch on the biggest disappointments of the season and the biggest surprises. But first, we have to start off with the MVP. Eggert started off. All right, so I want to give my early prediction that we gave before the season started, and then I'm going to give you my current MVP uh, winner. So before the season started for the NBA this 2021-22 season, I said Kevin Durant was going to win MVP. I said it wasn't even going to be close, and 
I was wrong. I, I was completely wrong. He has the AFC, although it's a scary AFC. KD got the AFC, and he's not even top three in scoring right now. So I was completely wrong with that. But right now, my current MVP is Joel Embiid. And I've been convinced over the last few weeks of Quincy and other people just making the case that Joel Embiid is just, he's a mile ahead of everybody in this MVP race at this point especially with losing Ben Simmons and then even with getting Harden, Harden not really complimenting his play just yet before the playoffs, you know. So Embiid has had to juggle a lot with not having the number one seed, not even having a top three seed, I don't think, in the East right now. Yeah, I think fourth they're fourth, currently, yeah, fourth currently. So not being a top three seed, juggling different rosters right now, MVP um, leader at this point, Joel Embiid. That's my pick. And I picked Steph Curry coming into <laughs> coming into the season. It looked good halfway through the season. And then Steph went through a shooting slump, and he really slid downhill after that. But I also have Joel Embiid as my MVP. And y'all got to look at this. I understand Nikola Jokic is going to get a lot of love. He just won the MVP last year. Giannis is going to get a lot of love. He's a two-time MVP already. But I think... What Joel Embiid is doing gets too overlooked. I think we look at the Giannis's too much and the Jokic's too much that we don't even realize what Embiid is doing. Like Embiid can put up 45 and 13 like he did last night and nobody talks about it. But if Jokic does that shit, the whole world feels like they're talking <laughs> about a 45 and 13 from Jokic. For, so I feel like the media coverage between those two players is just so weird. Obviously both are dominant. Uh, one is the one of the most dominant big mans of all time and the other one is the most skilled big man of all time so you can go mm -hmm. back and forth but i think joel Embiid deserved this he was in the running last year and the way that he's carried this team no ben simmons and even though harden has been there he has still been the catalyst holding this team up without a lot of depth on this team this bitch doesn't have a lot uh, rather right. than harden other than harden other than maxi and Thibault, it's like, yeah, that bitch kind of... So he's carrying this team. The fact that they're in fourth, and they're really tied for second, it, it can really go a lot of ways if the Bucks lose in the coming days or if the, the Celtics lose in the coming days. They can get up as high as number two as well. So I think his, his, his status should be more respected in the NBA. And that's why I think that's the big reason why I'm giving the edge to Embiid to, uh, for this MVP. And shout out to Giannis, because Giannis has had another great season. They're currently second in the NBA uh, the Bucks are currently second in the NBA. So he's had another uh, tremendous season. I, I don't know if it's Giannis fatigue. Giannis is playing out of this world right now, but it's just like it's Giannis fatigue. This, it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's Giannis, Giannis fatigue. fatigue. It's, it's Giannis fatigue. I know what I'm going to get with Giannis at this point. Uh, he's a he's a top three player in this league. I know what I'm going to get. So I think it's just fatigue. And Jokic, Jokic is putting up even crazier numbers than he did last year. But I don't know if it's just the sixth seed, and that's what's holding me back from pulling the trigger on him. He's having another historic season, but I just can't I think, give it to Jokic. I think that's what it is for me when it comes to Jokic. I think it's just the seeding right now. And outside of Jokic, I, I know I said about a week or two, the Nuggets could be a dangerous team to like really push to be a threat for the Western Conference Finals. But it's also, if Jokic goes down, I'm kind of like, uh who else on this Nuggets team is really going to, you know, make this a wow factor. And that, and, and that's why I think a lot of people give him the edge over Embiid and over Giannis because who else do they have? 
Like yeah. you don't have your second and third best player and he's carried them to a six seed. So you can look at it in a glass half full type of way and say the fact that they're a six seed without their two of the three best players is crazy. But I still look at it and say Embiid has been carrying this team his whole time without an all-star player in Ben Simmons. And even though James Harden has come on the team, he's still been the catalyst, having averaging 40, averaging 30 over these last handful of games. It's just like I think one just deserves his respect while the other already has his. So I'm going to dish it off to my man Embiid for, the, for this one. Next, we have Coach of the Year. Who do you have? Coach of the year. So before the year started, I said Billy Donovan was going to win coach of the year, especially after getting DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball to pair up with Zach Levine and, and the rest of these boys. And they, they've they been playing good, you know, throughout the whole first half of the season. The um The Bulls were looking like one of the teams to beat early in the season, even leading up the All-Star break. But ever since then, it's kind of been on a downward slope. So I can't really give Billy Donovan that that title anymore of coach of the year he's still doing a pretty decent job but i can't give it to him i will give coach of the year to eric spolstra and i know that he we've been on this pod you know going up and down about if we even think that he'll beat the nets who are the afc you know to make it out of the first round you know yeah they may be the number one seed but they've had a lot of up and down moments but the fact that they've consistently been the number one seed for weeks now and Eric Spolster is dealing with trying to rotate this roster so much. To Quincy's point, Tyler Hero literally being the best man on the floor sometimes in some of these games as a six-man. Like, these are all coaching attributes that I don't think people are looking at with Eric Spolster. Eric Spolster is making this work. You got Jimmy arguing with Haslam and, and everything, you know, so it, it's kind of like, damn, like, how is this storm of, uncertainty still remaining number one and it goes to the coaching bro so i gotta give it to eric spolster he's making it work in a situation where i think a lot of other coaches would fail and probably drop two or three seasons that's real and that's one thing i i didn't mention last week when diving in on the heat and saying that they should make moves is that this has been one of the most fun seasons i've had as a heat fan this is one of the, the most fun teams that I've seen because of the pieces that we have. Everybody is so energetic. The, the energy is just different from past seasons. So even though we could talk about being, uh, we don't know how they're going to do in the playoffs, being a number one seed with all of the injuries to Bam, Butler, and we're still here, we've had a tremendous season. Excellent season, and that's definitely shout out to uh, Eric Spolstra. He should start to be treated like Greg Popovich used to be treated. Because that's how his players are set up now. It doesn't matter who's playing. Like a lot of these players could be called system players. Just like Greg Popovich used to have system players in San Antonio. One person leaves, it's really next man up, and he's going to produce the right. same way the old person used to. Like it's mm -hmm. that type of system. As long as Eric Spoelstra is the coach, he's moving the pieces. So I think he is a top contender. But I would not have him number one. Ah, I would have one? I would have Monty Williams as my coach of the year for the Phoenix Suns. I think he was snubbed last year, even though I did say Tom Thibodeau. Damn, the Suns had a good uh, uh, Monty Williams had a good point to get it last year, and this year I think he would take it home because he's so far ahead of everybody else in the NBA. When you talk about record, they are sixty three and sixteen right now. And the next closest team has like 55 wins. And I think that's the difference between everybody else in the NBA, that that coaching gap 
I don't think he gets the respect that he deserves. And everything that he's putting together in Phoenix just goes under the radar, but he deserves his respect this year. He's clearly been the best coach. It's a, it's a gap. It's a gap this year. I'm not saying best coach in terms of schemes, and X's and O's, but in terms of team and putting it together, I have to say Monty Williams this year, especially with the Chris Paul injury. I think he showed himself to be even more valuable in that point when he went down and the Suns were just continuing to roll like a well-oiled machine. I would have to give it to Monty Williams. And this is the thing about Eric Spolster, bro. I'm going to get on my Eric Spolster soapbox. He is a top 10 coach of all time. Damn near creeping into top five territory. And he's never won coach of the year once. In those Heatles years, he never won. And that one season where we were streaking in the, the, the back end of the season where we ended up being 41 and 41 when mm-hmm. we started off like 12 and 29. He yeah. didn't win coach of the year that season, understandably. But he's had so many good coaching seasons, but he's never been recognized for. So it's like, how can you be viewed as a top 10, top 15 coach ever if you've never won a coach of the year? Is that more so of a, a respect thing or do I don't know how we view Eric Spolstra if I, he doesn't have one coach of the year yet, bro. It's weird. I don't I think people will argue against you on that just because of just because the the spotlight hasn't been on him enough to really give him that nod, you know, and I was, I think people would agree with you in a sense he's one of the most, if not the most underrated coach of all time. But I, I agree with you because every point that you've made makes sense to me. Like, of course, me being a Heat fan on top of, like, just really watching him coach, I agree. He's top 10, top five. That's where I would you say to really they may, they you gotta may, really sell may, your case with that, yeah, bro. For he, sure. People who agree he's the most underrated, but you're gonna have a hard time arguing top 10 or top five of people. I think I think Eric Spostra is a, a top five coach, but look, they made a top 15 list recently, the best coaches ever, and they had Doc Rivers in the top 15 of best coaches ever. If Doc Rivers is in the top 15 of best coaches ever, I don't even want Spolstra coaching him close to him because it's a gap. It's a huge gap between <laughs> Doc Rivers and Eric fucking Spolstra, bro. So if Eric, if Doc Rivers 15, I think he's top five. It was a lot of goats on that list. So obviously it's an arguable case. You got Phil Jackson. You got Greg Popovich. It's a lot of coaches that you can run down. But the way that he's turned around and high key changed the NBA before your eyes with all of these zone defenses and these X's and O's, people weren't doing that before Spo. And a lot of people are starting to realize that that can slow down a lot of offenses if you run zone defenses. And Zoe and uh, and Spo brought that back to the NBA and the type of scheme. I think he'll even if he never wins the coach of the year, I think as a consensus it's starting to become known that he is the best coach in the NBA. Even if we give the award to somebody else, it's always, yeah, Spo was the best coach. Spo was the best coach. Yeah. Flat out. Even though the Suns had the best team, it's, oh, it's Spo. And I think, and I think a high key like that more than getting the recognition like a coach of the year when everybody is like, okay, yeah, Spo is, Spo is the guy. And with, with Doc Rivers, I know we'll, I know we'll dive into Doc a little more in a sec, but with Doc Rivers, that that Clippers era, that's really what killed his his coaching career. Honestly, that Clippers era of them never going anywhere. <laughs> 
Cause look, okay, so here, here are the 15 greatest coaches in NBA history. According to NBA.com, we have Red Auerbach, we have Larry Brown, Chuck mm-hmm. Daly, Red Oseman, Phil, ja- Phil Jackson, Casey Jones, Steve Kerr, Don Nelson, Greg Popovich, Jack Ramsey, don't even know who that is, Pat Riley, Doc Rivers, Jerry Sloan, Eric Spostra, and Lenny Wilkins. I can tell you right now, other than Phil, other than Greg Popovich, Pat is up there too. Don Nelson, when it comes to wins, Don Nelson could be up there. Red Auerbach won all of those championships with the Celtics. But I'm telling you, there is a clear argument that Spo is top five, bro. It's an argument there because I can knock a lot of these people off the list because I'm too young for some say, of these people. But it's a lot of people that you can knock off of this list. With Larry Brown, you could you could make an argument to put Spo above Larry Brown. Spo is above Larry Brown. Larry Brown got one ship. Spo got two. And then you got Chuck Daly. He was with the Pistons with Isaiah Thomas. So you can definitely give him a, a shout out. But Don Nelson, he didn't. Don Nelson didn't win anything, but he hockey changed the game with his uh, change of pace where it was just up and down the whole time. He was with those Golden State yeah. Warriors teams back in the day. So he changed the NBA. So I understand why a lot of these coaches are here because they changed the game. But other than the Auerbachs, the Jacksons, and the Popoviches, it's like there's an argument that Spo was there. He has the rings. He has the accomplishments. And now he's starting to get the, the acknowledgement, even though it's not in awards, he's starting to get the acknowledgement from the consensus that, okay, from the last three years, he's been the best coach. And he's getting that to become, people champs vibe. He's starting to get the people champs. So I think if you ask people and you have them look at that list, and ask them where Spo ranks, I think Spo would be pretty high, bro. Would it be top five? Maybe not. Spo might not be everybody's favorite coach or whatever, but I think he would be in that top seven conversation. So it's a it's definitely a conversation to be had. I'm just saying, look at the whole thing. And let's move on to the next award. We have Rookie of the Year. Who do you have? Uh, rookie of the Year, Kate Cunningham, bro. And I don't even think it's close. That final month, of March, where bro was averaging what like 22, 10, and seven. I'm like, yeah, he he just sealed it at that point. It was a close race, I think, between him and Evan Mobley. But I said Cade Cunningham before the season started, and I'm gonna keep it like that right now. Cade Cunningham, rookie of the year. And it's funny with that this rookie of the year conversation because at the beginning of the season, Cade did miss some games, and I think a lot of people hold that against him. But I think he has been the best rookie to play this season. So I agree with you on the rookie of the year. It should be Cade. I don't think he will win it because I think other people like the Scotty Barnes, who is on the fifth-ranked Toronto Raptors, will get more credit. And he's had a huge impact on them being the fifth seed. And somebody like Evan Mobley, who is on the seventh seed as Cavs in the Eastern Conference, will get more notoriety or more uh more press when you talk about this this type of award but i think when you talk about best rookies k cunningham overall has been the best rookie to play and not just in the last month i think every game that he's played in the way that he's kept the detroit pistons in these games where they shouldn't even be in games like last year they getting dogged by these teams but they're in games with teams where you like damn like they're in games with the celtics they're they're beating the nets yeah. like they're competing with high level teams because they have k cunningham just don't get that twisted it's not because anybody else on the team it's because <laughs> of k cunningham he's leading them and he doesn't even have all of the talent 
to for you to think that he should be competing with those type of teams. And that's why I tell y'all all the time that he will be the next GOAT. Once they start to surround him with more talent, bro, it's going to be a problem. I tell y'all all the time, if he gets Bancaro, if he gets Jabari Smith, whoever he ends up getting in this, in this draft class, it's going to be a problem for the rest of the NBA. You see how Sadiq playing too? I'm telling you, man, the Pistons are somebody to look out for. But I think overall, Kate Cunningham has been the best uh, rookie for sure. Jalen Green started to come on strong toward the end of the season, but he was slumping toward uh, most of the season. But I think he's been dropping a lot of 30-point games like in the last month or so, he's been he's starting to get loose. He's starting he's to become starting a to player. Find himself more. Yeah. And it's kind of like that, that Trey Young thing. You remember when Trey Young in the beginning of his career, yeah. it was like people were just talking shit about Trey. Oh, he ain't the guy. He ain't the guy. And then the second half of the season, Trey took off and was in that rookie of the year conversation. It's not to that extent with Jalen Green, but he's starting to look like the player that we thought he was going to be initially. And he's been starting to become a consistent 20-point scorer. So I'm excited to see what his future will be as well. Moving on to the next award, we have Most Improved Player. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of reports saying John Morant should get Most Improved. And my take on Most Improved has always been, if we always have expected you, from the moment you get in the league, if Speak we've on been it. You, Speak on it. you're doing, I can't give you Most Improved, bro. I just can't. If we're expecting you to be one of the next faces of the league, you should not be winning Most Improved. Like, no shade to John Morant. John Morant is one of my favorite players to watch right now. I wish him much, much success in the playoffs, but I got to go with Miles Bridges, bro. Miles Bridges was my pick before the season started, and he is currently still my pick now. And uh, the way he's been playing with LaMelo Ball for the Charlotte Hornets, the way he's improved, I think he jumped, like, from 12 points last season to 20 points now, you know, shooting about 75% from the field, 30%, uh, 33% from three. I just think Miles Bridges has made a jump to where he's going to be a big name if there are ever any trade rumors around his name. Like, expect a dollar for a Miles Bridges over the next few years. So, shout out to Ja, but we're expecting you to do what you're doing. And this is the thing. I think all top 10 picks, high key, should be eliminated from the most improved conversation. If we picked you in the top 10, we expected you to be good to great. Like when right. when when Brandon Ingram won most improved, we expected him to be great. He was the number two <laughs> overall pick. Why are we giving him most improved? Most improved, I thought, like we don't know criteria, so it, it always gets changed from year to year. But I thought it went to the most improved player who wasn't expected to be anything. Like a CJ McCullum who didn't do shit his first two years, and he magically scores 19 points per game in the next season. That's the type of most improved player I'm looking for. Last year with Jeremy Grant, he went from 12 points to 22 points. He's becoming the lead scorer of the Pistons. That's most improved. So seeing Luka Doncic in the most improved conversation, what are we doing? Seeing John Morant in the most improved, those are not most improved players. They are MVP candidates. They are not most improved candidates, bro. So I think we have to change that. I would give it to Tyrese Maxey. I think he's had a tremendous year, and I think he's one of the biggest reasons why the Sixers are sitting at fourth in the fourth in the Eastern Conference. He has been the main co-star to Embiid this entire season. I think his jump could make some things shake for the 76ers there too, but I think his points have jumped from eight points last year to 18, and he's continuing to, uh, to grow in the position that you think he should. So I think 
Tyrese Maxey is my most improved, bro. But I'm glad you said that shit, bro, because it's it's becoming too many years in a row where this conversation is just, oh, we're going to give it to literally the most improved player who we knew we were going to be good. Was gonna be That's good. what I'm saying. It's like, bro, you can't have John Morant in MVP conversation and most improved. Exactly. Like, that does not make sense, bro. That does not make sense. We got to <laughs> exactly. stop doing that, bro. If you exactly. have already... If you have already been um, deemed as one of the next faces of the league, possibly, you are completely out of the most improved conversation at that point. If if you are, like Quincy said, a top 10 pick, top five, top three, top whatever five. the hell. Yeah, especially top five. Anything top five, top 10, bro, coming into the NBA, like, we're expecting you within the next two to three years to drop dinner at 25 a game. Like, that's just expectation. <laughs> So I I don't know, bro. I don't I don't get it. With Luca, if you're coming from overseas, maybe it could be different because just because you're snapping overseas don't necessarily mean. But I'm saying in his NBA in his ball. first year, in his first year he snapped. But then in his well, second year he was in that that's conversation. True. So it's like we already knew he was going to be great, and he was a top what five pick. So then or top three pick, and then you giving up. You he's in the most improved conversation the next year, huh? We knew he was going to yeah. be great. And that's why when I see Darius Garland in these conversations, that's just it's the same thing. Darius Garland was a top five pick. Everybody else didn't think he was going to be shit, but he was a top five pick. I already knew Darius Garland was going to be good. I knew he had this type of potential. So I'm not going to give him most improved when I see the type of value that he has for this team from the jump. I knew he was going to be a star. So I think the top two candidates to me are top three candidates because I, I like the Bridges one as well. I think it has been Miles Bridges. Jordan Poole can get thrown into that conversation. Desmond Bain and Tyrese Max. Those are really the four players I think I would say that are should really be in the most improved conversation. Players that you didn't expect to have these type of seasons, but really leaked out of nowhere. Not players that we knew were going to be good, bro. Come on. Bro. On to the next award. We have, what's the next award? Six man of the year. This shit should be consensus. <laughs> yeah, I, I was about to say it's only one person that everybody should be thinking of. And it's Tyler Hero. And who did I pick for a six man of the year? I don't even think I had a pick that I didn't. That was the one pick I I could not. You had um, Taylor Horton Tucker. Come up you with. told me you got Taylor, Taylor Horton Tucker. Tucker because I th- I thought the Lakers were going to be something, <laughs> and we'll we'll get into that <laughs> to that later. Six man of the year though, Tyler Hero, my favorite Heat player at the moment, the player that I've been going for ever since he got into the league. Tyler Hero has become one of the most integral pieces on the Miami Heat right now. When Jimmy's having an off night, when Kyle Lowry is hurt, when everybody at Bam isn't doing what Bam should be, not playing bad, but he's not playing all the way uh, great, Tyler Hero is the one who comes and steps in. He gives you 20-something points every other couple of nights. He's the leader of that second unit. I feel like he's one of the best players coming off the bench that Eric Spolster has ever had, really, when it comes to early in their careers. So Tyler Hero, sixth man of the year right now, it's not close, and they should just hand it to him before the award night. They could have handed that shit to him midway through the season because this award, <laughs> when you look at betting odds, like this shit isn't even close. Like the second closest person was like Kelly Oubre at like plus 20,000. Like that shit isn't close at all when you talk about mm-hmm. betting odds. It, it shouldn't be because Tyler Hero from the beginning was the, the, the sixth man of the year. And I picked him before the season too because I already knew what type of year he was going to have. You, you give him the whole second unit, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. Oh, Tyler Hero. Now, that's the role that I think he will be uh, successful in his entire career. I know that Hero wants to be a starter, but if if he embraces the Lou Williams 
method of just coming off the bench and I'm finna just go crazy. I think he will, he will be, I said it last week with uh, the Hall of Fame conversation, like the best six mans of the year, like the the, the Jamal Crawford, the Mono Ginobili's, the, the Lou Williams. Tyler Hero's name can be in that if he embraces this six man of the year role. I think he has that much of potential in this. And you think you just look at the improvement of Hero, he's just moving so different. So many people compare what he's doing now to the bubble, but he's so much more composed, so much more improved right. from when he was a young boy as a rookie. I'm talking about the handle is different, the finishing is different, even the consistency in his game is just different than year different this year than in past years averaging 20 almost 21 five and four like off the bench <laughs> Tyler Hero and I, I agree with what you're saying he is I don't think he's the most valuable because I think the most valuable piece on the heat is Bam but I think he's the most important because when everybody else seems to come up short on the offensive end the one person I know is gonna get a bucket or he damn sure gonna jack up some shots to get a bucket right. it's gonna be Tyler Hero and I think he's we've been shown that in the biggest games of the season that he is going to show up. So, yeah. And with that Manu Ginobili point, Tyler Hero can be that six man that eventually gets back to being that all-time starter, you know? And, and that's what happened with Manu Ginobili. Started out as really a great six man, but what ended up happening later into his career? Started joining the starting lineup, started being one of the most important pieces on that Spurs team. Tyler Hero could be the same thing, whether he stays with the Heat his whole career or whether he goes from team to team, he can become that player that right now, your early 20s, maybe, like you said, being that great six man that people have no answer for when it comes to their second units, being that for your first few years and then growing into, okay, Tyler Hero is clearly like an NBA starter. That might be the the growth that we have to see, you know, and it, and it may not just be him starting right now with Bam and Jimmy out on the first unit. And it's crazy because a lot of people say when you come off the bench, you're playing against the second units all the time, which is true because you do play against second units off the bench. But Tyler Hero, for the most part, closes games for the Miami Heat. So he's playing, he's going up against number one defenders and cooking them. I can tell y'all a game to go watch where he played against the Bucks. He was going at Drew Holiday. He was going at Chris Middleton, and he dropped 30 that game. Like, he's not going against number twos all game is what I'm trying to say. Like, he's a number one option when you talk about scoring the basketball for this team. He's our he's our best scorer. I don't like to admit that, but he is our best scorer. And that's one of the problems I honestly have with the Heat because our best scorer can be our six. <laughs> but that is a, that's definitely a credit to him, though. That's a credit to him for his effectiveness, bro. And um, I, I think he gets slighted with that, that, that narrative, but – he can go against number ones and cook them too, but I just think his best role right now is off the bench, bro. That's the most effective, and that's the way he will get the most value out of his game. Defensive player of the year. Defensive player of the year. How can I forget? Defensive <laughs> player of the year. Who you got, bro? Uh, same as my early before the season prediction, Bam Adebayo. Can't be Rudy Gobert again. It just can't. Oh <laughs> it just goodness, can't, bro. I, I was hey, gonna say that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even be. I'm one of the people who defend Rudy Gobert, but it just can't be Rudy Gobert again, bro. It can't, <laughs> bro. It's it's at the point where Rudy Gobert shouldn't even be in contention for these awards no more. He can't even <laughs> close games for the Jazz, bro. And that's been for the past three years. You telling me the defensive player of the year can't close games for his team? 
Because he's going to get ran off the court because of the three-point line? <laughs> Come on, bro. The NBA know they're wrong for the past couple of years giving that shit to him, bro. That shit is embarrassing. I got Bam out of bio as well. I know Marcus Smart is picking up a lot of steam recently. Giannis also picking up a lot of steam. I think it's only between Marcus Smart and Bam Adebayo, honestly, because Marcus Smart is the best defender on the best defense in the, the NBA, so definitely got to give him credit for that. But I don't think there's a better defender in the NBA right now than Bam Adebayo. The plays that he's making, and he is the valuable piece. He is the reason that we are number one in the East. His defensive valuability or defensive versatility cannot be matched by anybody else but other than draymond obviously draymond is really started that shit but i think dre brent bam out of bio right now is something completely different guarding one through five nobody can do that bro and i don't think people are they don't really let that soak in enough bro guarding one through five is difficult bro when you can stick with a Kyrie, i ain't saying he clamping this nigga Kyrie, but, but when you can stick with a Kyrie, when you can stick with a Kyrie, bro when Kyrie say, no, I don't want to go with this nigga, and he passes the rock <laughs> off, that's when you know this nigga built different, bro. That's that's all I'm saying about Bam. I heard a lot of comments recently about Smart and Smart saying he's the only person that can guard one through five, da, 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 da. I do not believe that to be true. I think it's only two people that can guard one through five. <laughs> I only think there's two people that can guard one through five, and they're not Marcus Smart. But definitely shout out to him for the success that he's been having, too. I think that's it. Yeah, we did six man, most improved coach, defense, rookie, MVP. And it's crazy. Joel and B might win scoring title and MVP. That's crazy. Facts. Because they said LeBron might not be eligible to win scoring champ because he hasn't played enough games and he's not going to play the rest of the season. So I might yeah. go to the, the second person because I think LeBron is currently leading. Is LeBron currently nah, leading? It, no, nah, Joel leading. Oh, jo oh Joel is leading. Is, oh, uh, Embiid so LeBron is, leading. is literally like point twenty points behind like Joel oh. Embiid is like 30.48 LeBron is like 30.27 or something like that oh <laughs> I see a couple days ago when I looked it was LeBron so okay he did have a 45 point game last night so that's probably yeah. what boosted Embiid up so definitely shout out to Embiid that's what I'm saying leading the NBA and scoring at a big man position that, that shit is different the fact that Braun uh, is top two in scoring and he's 37, <laughs> it's just crazy to me. That bro. too. <laughs> that too is also crazy. And <laughs> speaking of LeBron and the Lakers, let's move on to biggest disappointments and biggest surprises. So we had a long season this year. I feel like we can give a lot of teams on both of these categories. But who would you say is your biggest disappointment? It can be player or team. <sighs> biggest disappointment? I won't say the Lakers as a whole. I'll say Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook by himself has been one of, if not the biggest disappointment to me this whole season. Uh, and I, I'll throw in Anthony Davis too. Both, both of those players are my biggest disappointments. And I know we said it last year with AD, with the way he just, he can't stay healthy. I know that's not all his fault. You know, maybe he just has a body that just can't stay healthy. But the fact that all we're going to remember Anthony Davis for for most of his career is getting hurt. Like, that that's just something that we got to put what on him, been. bro, to take responsibility. Yeah, yeah what could have been. We got to put that on him of how are you not taking care of your body more. Same thing that, um, what you call it, uh, that Chuck said. You know, Chuck was always looking at Anthony Davis like, bro, you have to be the best player on this team. We get it. LeBron is who he is. And the team is focused around LeBron, but Anthony Davis, you have to be the reason you guys are winning. You have to be the leader on that team. So the fact that AD is either getting hurt 
and that's the reason he can't do it, or he literally is just not the best player even when he is healthy, that is a problem. And Russell Westbrook, I was one of the people that advocated that Russell Westbrook will learn how to play with LeBron the same way other players usually learn how to play with LeBron. But the fact that Russell Westbrook has not only not learned to adapt to play with LeBron, but just has been playing ultimately bad, like I, I have to I have to chalk him up for that, bro. I just have to. Not saying Russell Westbrook just can't play good basketball anymore, but the fact that this season has been atrocious for him individually, and I, I don't condone what people have been saying about him, his family, and none of that. It should never get that serious, but when it comes to critiquing your basketball skills, bro, Russell Westbrook has just been atrocious. When it comes from the free throw line, three points, like it, it's just not good basketball for either of those two players. Hmm, this is a tough decision for me, bro, because there's a lot of t- teams and players that I can throw in that conversation. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to throw a curveball at you. I'm going to say the Bulls are the biggest disappointments of this season, bro. I won't argue and, that. I won't argue and, that. <laughs> and, this is, and this is the reason why. Strictly because of this. They haven't beaten one good team this entire season. When you look at their record against the Bucks, the Heat, the 76ers, the 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 who else they played? The 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 Suns, the Warriors, the Grizzlies, they are 1 and 18 against top teams in the NBA. With all of this talent with DeMar DeRozan being the in the in the MVP conversation, even though you have some injuries for sure, so I got to shoot you that bell. But you have all that, and you couldn't get more than one win against the top teams in the NBA? We looked at y'all as contenders, and even with Caruso and Patrick Williams coming back, y'all still coming up short like this? I expected more from the Bulls. I didn't think that seeding-wise it would have been that big of a difference, but beating top teams in the NBA. With somebody like a DeRozan, I thought that would have been different with him and Levine, but they just... Haven't showed up against the top teams, bro. So I would say the Bulls are my dig- biggest disappointments. They just haven't done well against the top teams. They beat up on anybody else. But when it's when it's a good team, a great team, uh, nah, we're not that, that's why I say I can't argue that because you, you definitely made that case like what, right after All-Star break when they started playing again? You definitely made that case then. Tried to vouch for them, but it, it's not looking <laughs> good. Like I said, there's still playoff contention, but I, I have – no faith in the Bulls at this point. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Even if Lonzo Ball and Caruso were healthy, obviously they would probably have a couple more wins, but it's just, it's just been a disappointing season. Like I said, not from seeding reasons, but just not competing with the best of the best when a lot of people thought you you had the potential to be up there. So I would call them right. my biggest disappointments. But who would you have your biggest surprise? Biggest surprise? Hmm. Biggest surprise. I'll say the Cleveland Cavaliers. Granted, they're currently seventh in the East right now. So they, they have to play in the play in, right? To keep their spot. So granted, yes, the, the Cavaliers. And they gotta have play the Hawks themselves. and they gotta play the Nets. <laughs> and they first so I don't even know if they're making the playoffs for real. <laughs> and, and that's the crazy part. The the fact that they're now in a situation where 
they could most likely not be in the playoffs, which we usually expect the Cavs to be in a, a situation like that. The fact that throughout majority of the season, they remain the top four, top five seed with this young group that they have. The only old player that comes to mind is Kevin Love. And even Kevin Love as an old player on the team, he's been doing well as that vet to offer that experience and guidance for Darius Garland and the rest of these boys. Like, I feel like the Cleveland Cavaliers shocked the hell out of everybody because it wasn't just, you know, a first two, three weeks of the season. Oh, you know, well, going into December, they ain't going to be like that no more. The fact that all the way until, like, just up to All-Star break or even right after All-Star break, they were no lower than a fifth seed throughout the whole season, I got to give the Cavs that. And the fact that they can still fight for a playoff spot, when was the last time the Cavs were in the playoffs? Like, Braun wasn't listen, even on the Cavs anymore. So that that's just crazy to me. So congrats to the to the Cavaliers. This was a good season to them. This was definitely a good season. And the biggest reason why they started to fall was Jared Allen getting hurt. The hand injury that hand held him out indefinitely, yep. and he still isn't back yet. That was the biggest reason. If they were healthy the whole season, it's like, yeah, they would be higher seed in the, the Eastern Conference because they were fifth literally the entire season before that injury and then everything really went to shit after that so i think they are in the contention for the biggest surprise but i have to give it to the memphis fucking grizzlies bro being second in the west who expected Yo, that i know i didn't expect I, that <laughs> i didn't expect that bro i expected a huge jump from ja but from the team as a whole and the fact that they have been winning games without him they are currently 18 and 2 without ja that they are clearly the biggest surprise to me. I think Taylor Jenkins definitely should be in contention for coach of the year as well for what he has done, but definitely my biggest surprise. I thought being a sixth seed in the Western Conference was going to be the peak for the for the Grizzlies. I said they were going to be somewhere in that range. The fact that they're and it's not even close really for second place. They're five games in front of Golden State for second, and they're only eight games behind the Suns for for first. So. The fact that the Grizzlies, bro, the Memphis Grizzlies are in that position, I could not foresee that. They are my biggest surprise. And moving on to the next topic, we have all NBA team reactions. So from the Twitter account of Ball Don't Stop, which is a big Twitter account in the uh, NBA community, he just posted his all NBA teams number first through third, and we are going to react to them. So on the first team, we have Luka Doncic, Devin Booker, DeMar DeRozan, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid. On the second team, we have Steph Curry, John Morant, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, and Nikola Jokic. And on the third team, we have Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell, Zach Levine, LeBron James, and Carl Anthony Towns. Edgar, what is your reaction to these All-NBA teams, and what would you change about them? Uh, none of these are, are bad to me. I definitely would make a few changes, though. I would have Jaw up in first, and I would move Luka down to second. Uh, I would move Donovan Mitchell up from third. I would probably move Mitchell up to third and put... Since Steph Curry's been hurt for a minute... I will put Donovan Mitchell on second and put Steph Curry on third. Other than that, I think this list is pretty solid. Uh, mm, I like Carl Anthony Towns in third, so I ain't going to move that. But yeah, other than those one or two moves, I, I like this. I like this list. 
So the biggest problem I have with this, I agree that John Morant should definitely be in first team over Luka, the impact that he's had and the surprise. Even though the Mavs are definitely having a tremendous season and Luka is leading that charge, I think Ja personally just has had the better season. So I would put him on first team and I cannot lock uh, knock Devin Booker off because of the season he's leading the charge for the number one team in the Western yeah. Conference. He has to be on the first team. I would change DeMar DeRozan. I would drop DeMar DeRozan down to second team and put Jason Tatum up. The consistent improvement that we have seen out of his game, the charge that we have seen from this Boston Celtics team, they have been the hottest team in the second half of the season. Unlike the Bulls, they can actually beat good teams leading one of the best offenses or one leading one of the best defenses in the NBA, Jason Tatum should be on first team. Giannis and Embiid, I agree with that. Jokic, Kevin Durant, agree with that. I will have DeRozan on second team. I will have Luka on second team. And I will, have, I will leave Steph on second team. I like the Trey pick, and I agree with you that I like the Carl Anthony Towns pick as well. I will leave LeBron there. Donovan Mitchell and Zach Levine are two interesting picks. Because one team that I haven't mentioned in this entire All-NBA list was the Miami Heat. We were first Damn. in the Eastern Conference. Damn, and we can't crazy. get anybody on the, on the All-NBA team? Oh, if that's, I, the case, if that's the case, take Cat take, um, take off. You got to put Bam on. Take Cat off. I, I like that. <laughs> Cat's been playing well, but I did not even think about that. I take Cat off and, and put Bam and Abayo on us. And this is, and this is, what, I, this is what I say. Because if we're not going to give credit to the, the players for being all NBA performers, that means Eric Sposter should definitely be coach of the year. Because that then you're telling me that they don't have any star players at all or any, not any top 15 <laughs> players, but they're number one in the East. You got you got to you, you have to you got to fix that. And that's why the, the all NBA selection is tricky, because, yes, it is about individual performance. That's why we see Trey Young on there. That's why we see Cat on there. It is about individual, but you do have to get some credence to the impact on the number one teams and the highest ranked teams in their certain conferences. And the fact that Jimmy Butler or Bam ain't on that list is crazy. I will put Jimmy Butler over Levine as well. That would be a clear switch for me. I will. Um. I will move Jokic down because Jokic was on the second team, correct? Yeah. I will move Jokic down to where Carl Anthony Towns is on third, and I will put Bam Adebayo in that Jokic spot on the second team. Bruh, think about what you're saying now. <laughs> think about what you're saying now, bro. Jokic is MVP I'm, candidate. I'm, I'm literally I'm giving I'm giving the defensive player of the year the nod for a second team <laughs> All NBA. Like I don't see where it's an issue. <laughs> You can't win defensive player of the year and then be on the all NBA third team. Like you just can't like <laughs> you got to at least be on second. That's that's crazy. I would leave. I believe Yoke is there. And I honestly would leave cat there. My, I, like I said, my biggest problem is just not having anybody. That's why I said look for a, a Bulls team that hasn't beaten any great teams at all. The fact that they have two players on there is crazy. You had to take one of them off. And the one person has to be Levine. You got to take Levine off. And I think Butler has to be the one to replace him. But if I said all of my changes, but that was probably my biggest issue, not having anybody from the Heat on that list. But definitely shout out to Ball Don't Stop. I love the content that he makes. Just wanted to react to his all-NBA list. So definitely shout out to him. And we also have another reaction that we are going to do, and that is for the 2010 NBA All-Decade team, which was just posted recently by the Associated Press. 
and it has Steph Curry on the list, Kevin Durant, James Harden, LeBron James, and Dirk Nowitzki is on the 2010 All-Decade Team. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so, Edgar, who do Whoa. you think was snubbed from the 2010 oh, All Decade team. Whoa, hold the fuck on. It's gotta be somebody better than Dirk. <laughs> 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 oh, shit. Ain't no way in hell. Ain't no way in hell Dirk out there, bro. Oh, bro, no, that's what bro. they did, bro. They did it, bro. No. <laughs> 2010s? They did it, bro. They put him in there. I don't know how the fuck they put him in there, but they did. Shit, you can you can still put D Wade on that list, uh, bro. It's a if you go put bro. Dirk on this list, it's a lot of arguments that could be made, bro. It's a lot of arguments that could be made. <laughs> I'm looking at I'm looking at D Wade. I'm looking at uh, what's it called? Paul Pierce. I'm looking at uh, shit, Dwight Howard. Nah, Dwight Howard had the 2000s. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was done. Yeah, he was done. Yeah, he was definitely 2000s. Damn. Um, D Wade for sure. D Wade is probably the the person that I'm really looking at right now. Um, I was one person. I, I think it's. I think it was a couple people that could have replaced Dirk because just having Dirk on there, it just looks crazy. That's just crazy, I, bro. It, it just looks crazy, bro. Because I understand he beat the the the. The Miami the team, yeah, that he beat the Heels, so all power to him. But after that season, he wasn't the same <laughs> nigga, bro. After that year, so you just telling me he makes the all decade team after just having two good years in that decade. After that, he did nothing. You can low key put Melo on there too. The Knicks were trash. A lot of niggas over him, bro. Oh, you can put D-Wade. You can put Melo. You can. Oh my god, it's Mello a lot is, of niggas oh that you can put goodness. over him. But the person I would put over, because I agree with everybody else for the most part. Harden, I understand that he was an MVP throughout that that era. Steph Curry for sure. Kevin Durant for sure. LeBron James for sure. I would have Kawhi Leonard on that list. Kawhi Leonard, high That's key dominated the 2010s and was the sleeper throughout the runs of LeBron James with the Heatles and also throughout the, the run with the Golden State Warriors. He thwarted both of those dynasties and was the finals MVP in both of those in those uh, finals series. I think he is the missing player in that all-decade team. He should be on there. I, th- I don't think he gets respected enough. He, and he was a multiple-time defensive player of the year. Multiple time All Star, multiple time All NBA, but y'all give it to a nigga like Dirk, who wasn't shit after 2011. Come on, bro. Dirk a legend, bro. Dirk is a legend. I don't want to disrespect, but come on, bro. We going crazy with that. Like, because what what do you think? Like, as a as someone who may be ignorant to the world of basketball, if you see Steph, Braun, Harden, and uh, KD, and then that last name, you see Dirk. You're going to think, who the hell else was good at basketball? <laughs> if you got Dirk the Whiskey rounding out the all-decade team, oh, my gosh. Because other than – bro, I'm not even going to lie to you. I love Dirk to death. The shot was unstoppable. But other than that Dirk fadeaway, are we really looking at Dirk bag as being that deep? Like, to be honest? <laughs> hold on now. Hold on now. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that now. Don't do that now. Don't do that now. No, let's not disrespect. Whoa. <laughs> but hold on, another player that could have been on this list, Giannis could have been on this list, Hakeem. Giannis could have been on this list. 
He did for the he'll, be, he'll be on the 2020s for sure. He will be, but think about the 2022s. He was an MVP. He was oh, what did he do in 2020? That might have been 2020s though. That might be 2020. Yeah, yeah, they'll they'll count 2020 mm-hmm. as the 2020. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're right. You're right. You're right. Everything you're right. from 2010 to 2019. That that'll uh, be the Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. You're right about that. So mine would be mine would be uh Kawhi then. Mine would definitely be Kawhi. D Wade, so Melo, and Kawhi are the biggest snubs for that um fifth spot. Yeah, I, I can't I, I can't give it to him, bro. <laughs> I can't give it to Dirk, bro. That's that's crazy. Cause I, I was thinking about so many other players. I would say y'all gonna hate me for this. A nigga like Blake Griffin could have been over Dirk High oh, for nah. the 2010s. <laughs> no, a nigga put, like Blake Griffin nah, could have been over Dirk. Him. <laughs> I'll put Dirk over Blake Griffin. Nah. You reach it. You reach it. I'll put Dirk over Blake Griffin now. Nah. Hold the hell on. Hold <laughs> on. City was phenomenal, but I'm putting Dirk over that. Dirk is more of an icon uh, than Blake Griffin. I'm not even going. Hold on. We're not putting Draymond over. We're not putting Draymond over Dirk, though. Wait, 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 what? Say that again. <laughs> We're not putting Draymond over Dirk. No, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> no, bro, I'm not gonna let you make this argument. <laughs> I'm not letting you make this argument. No, Draymond. No, I'm not putting Draymond Green over Dirk the Whiskey in any category. <laughs> he other was the than, best defensive player of the 2010s. Oh, I got him between than, him and Kawhi. Other than his defensive, um. I don't even want to say a defensive presence. Other than his um uh what role do I want to give him? Other than his team ignition, like other than him being like the catalyst for team chemistry, I, I can't put anything of him over dirt. I just can't. Because because this is why I say that, bro. Because if it was about stats, A D would clearly be over Dirt and the Whiskey. A D had a clearly more dominant 2010s than Dirt and the Whiskey did. So if it was about stats, I'm like, damn, AD is the clear choice for to be the center, at least, of this lineup. So if you're not going by stats, you must be going by something else. So I, w- I would say, I don't know, bro. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm Nostalgia, tripping, but the be- being the best defensive player. Nostalgia, culture, impact, all that. All that plays a factor. Mm, the best defensive player in the 2010s? I don't know. Y'all gonna look at y'all gonna look at me crazy and say Draymond Green. I'm looking at you crazy as hell. I'm, I'm telling I'm you, the best is come on, bro. I, I'm just saying, but that's just me. That's just me. But uh, yep. Let's move on to top five power rankers. Who do you have? Top five right now. I have the Suns at one, Grizzlies two, Heat three, Bucks at four, and. Once again, I'm telling y'all, I got the Nets at five. The Nets have to be a, a top five team. They they just have to be, bro. The AC, once again, in my top five power rankings is, you know, one of the best teams. <laughs> this is what I'll say about the Nets. I hate what the Nets are doing, bro. And I hate what the Heat are doing right now. Because the Heat <laughs> are looking so good right now. And I really don't want them to look good. I really want them to play bad so I can be like, yeah, that's what I thought. They playing good because they want to give you hope, bro. They're, they're the type of team that wants to give you hope. Like, yeah, we're going we gonna to be this team. Blah, blah, blah. But you're just like, no, nah, I know how this story going to end. And the Nets looking terrible. The Nets look trash, bro. Being in dog fights with the Rockets, they just don't look good. Losing to the Hawks that playoff game. bell going to ring. Exactly, exactly. Like, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That's why I hate how shit going, bro. Because the Nets look bad. The Heat look good right now. So it's like the Heat want to give you hope. 
But it's like, I already know how this shit going to end, bro. KD going to get in the playoffs, turn into a different player. The Nets going to turn into a different team. <laughs> so I'm just trying to hold myself back from excitement, bro. Even with the Heat looking good in the last week, man, the Nets are still most likely going to be our first-round opponent. And, and that shit is sickening. <laughs> for real, for real. So, yeah, man, that's that's one of my biggest takeaways. My, my top five would be the Grizzlies. Not the Grizzlies, but the Suns, Grizzlies. Uh, how the Heat have been looking, I would have to put them at number one. Still keeping my hopes low. Uh, at number four, I would have the... I would have the Bucks. No, I would have the Celtics, then I would have the Bucks at, at five. And let's move on to Todd Bowles as our one topic for NFL he has now become the new coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because Bruce Arians has retired from coaching but has moved up to a front office position uh, with the Bucs. Edgar, what was your reaction to this as a Bucs fan? I just want to say I love my team, bro. Like, it's it's crazy to me how many opportunities we've given to minority coaches over the past, like even before Brady got there, like three to four years now. Like, I'll say four to five, damn near. The fact that we were one of the first teams to get um, a woman coach on our staff, and I think Washington was another team that was one of the first teams to do that. And I think we have possibly two women on our coaching staff as, like, uh, you know, um, some of the weight coaches and all that type of stuff. So the fact that we were one of the first teams to do that, when it comes to getting black coaches, the Buccaneers have become one of the few teams to – uh, get black coaches as as often as we do, and I think we, I think we set an NFL record. Like I think just a, a team record in general for having the most black um black coaches, like twice as many um as frequently as a compared to other NFL teams in total. So the the Bucks are doing a phenomenal job. I love the fact that Bruce Arians said. Just, just go ahead and put Todd in my spot. I'll go to the front office. And I think that's great because Bruce Aaron, his mind, I feel like he'll be great in the front office when it comes to finding talent, uh, helping with scouting reports and whatnot, and learning how to pick from the draft for the Bucks to prepare us for after Brady. So I love Bruce Arians going to the front office. I love Todd Bowles getting that head coaching position. And shout out to Todd Bowles because he's won a championship as a player as an assistant coach, and he has the opportunity to possibly win one as a head coach. If he gets that triple threat, bro, Todd Bowles, in my opinion, is going to be one of the most influential coaches in uh, in NFL history, but especially being a black coach, because you don't see that too often. So I was excited by the news, and I'm excited for the season. Uh, I was definitely excited to see it. I, I'm somebody who is not a big Bruce Arians fan. I don't think he's that good of a coach. Um, so I think bringing in Todd Bowles was a necessary move because of what's going down with the team. I think they just needed a new a new voice in the locker room. I think the, the Tampa Bay Bucks honestly were getting tired of the uh, Arians. And I think that's honestly why he moved up because of the locker room. A lot of people are coming back next year. He's just moving up. And I think Todd Bowles was the the new face of the Bucks coaching staff. That's who the, the players wanted, and I think that's why Bruce Arians made that move. There's no reports that saying that, but I think that's what's going down in the locker room. I really felt that way. And I'm glad that a black coach got this opportunity, and I'm glad that Todd Bowles got this opportunity because he had a raw deal when he was with the New York Jets. Obviously, with the Jets, you're not going to have the best players. There's always a ter- terrible situation 
with the Jets, but now having a, a situation where he has talent, he knows what he's going to get out of most of his players. He's coached that defense for multiple years. He knows what he's getting with this team now. Now he knows how to, he's seen Arians for all of these years. He knows how to, to manage both sides of the ball. I love this move for the Bucks. I love this move for the Bucks. So definitely shout out to Todd Bowles. It was a, it was a big deal. And let's move forward with social media wants to know. The question is, should women have to dress more respectable around men? Edgar? Yeah, so this stemmed from the uh, lotto interview that happened, I want to say, late last week. And it came out right before her album uh, release. It came out that she had a few features that she was letting people know about that were going to be on the album. And she was talking about one of the artists that are featured and who ended up in who ended up everybody knowing to be Kodak Black, who she was talking about. She never name dropped, but she was saying how this one person who was trying to uh, work with her on a song to be featured on the album was it's so asking funny that for people knew who it was. Favors. Yeah, like people knew who it was before she even had to say a name. But Kodak was acclaimed to asking for sexual favors, you know, for doing the feature. So instead of just getting paid like anybody else would, he was asking, you know, for for sex, basically doing the feature. And Lotto just felt disrespected by that because it's like we're artists. I'm trying to do work like it shouldn't matter what I have on. And one of Kodak's artists, I forgot the girl name, but I don't even know if she she signed to him anymore or not. But one of Kodak's female artists, she came out at Mulatto and said, that's on you. You got to know how to dress when you're in situations like that. If you're in a room with dudes in the studio and you got your titties out, you got your ass out, blah, 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 you can't expect men to not be men. And I just thought that was strange that a woman out of everybody, like, is like a woman entertainer is the one saying this when I'm just like, bro, what? That, that doesn't make sense. Like, women shouldn't have to, in my opinion, women shouldn't have to change the way they dress just because niggas don't know how to act and don't know how to control themselves. Niggas got to be more respectful, bro. And Kodak has a reputation for this. And I think that's more so more apparent in this conversation than how Mulatto was dressed. I really, it really doesn't matter how she was dressed. Because you can't tell women what to wear, bro. But you know what this situation is about. It's about business. She's coming in to do a song with you as a professional setting. The fact that you pushing it over the, the line like that is crazy, especially when she's a, a, a established artist. She's with a label. Like, she ain't trying to get put on or no shit. Like, she already on. So the fact that you asking for sexual favors is crazy from somebody at, at that high of stature. But I'm not surprised because it is Kodak. It's We've heard Kodak. him try to get... Yeah, he's tried to get with Young M.A. in the past. She's told him to leave him alone. We've seen it with uh, Young Miami in the past. We've seen him try to get with so many chicks. And it's just like, bro, a lot of these girls just ain't trying to fuck with you, bro. And it possibly could be the way you come at them. The way you approach them about mm -hmm. certain shit. Could be the way you they don't fuck with you and i like kodak as an artist but as a person sometimes and this goes for artists in general i think we need to hold them accountable and understand that as great as they can be as artists we need to check them as people sometimes and i don't like when people say that's just the way kodak is blah blah blah. it's like no like that's disrespectful as hell like <laughs> like this is like you're in that in that setting in a studio she's co-worker at that moment like, y'all are working on a song together to produce, put out, and get paid from. Like, you guys are in a work environment. And something that Taylor Rook said in her interview on The Pivot, it can be used for this instance. 
Taylor Rook said, I have breasts and a butt. No matter what I wear, you're going to see my breasts and my butt. I can have on a sweater and jeans in the snow, and people are going to still talk about my body. And Mulatto is built the same way. It doesn't matter what Mulatto wears. Her shape is going to make you look. So, again, I say, like, it, it doesn't matter what women wear. You can have a business suit on. You could be butt naked. Like, niggas are going to be niggas, and they're going to come at you <laughs> the way they do. Like, And it, it's on us to be way more respectful in those situations. I agree totally, bro. That, that shit was just crazy because I've seen the initial interview, which was with uh, Big Boy. Shout out to his mm-hmm. radio station. And a lot of people were saying, like, they were going because they showed the track list of people were posting the track list in the comments yep. and they were like, Oh, who was on it? Who's actually featured on the track list? And people was like, Oh, yeah, it's definitely Kodak. Yeah, it's Kodak. It's definitely the one. Out of people that's that's um listed, it ain't Wayne, Wayne too damn old to be trying to talk to her. She <laughs> talked to 21 Savage, so it clearly can't be him. Uh, who else was on there? It was a couple other dudes on there that I'm like, Nah, that, that ain't happening. And Kodak Black, like you said, with his reputation, is the only person that it makes sense that who that's who that would be. So. But this is the thing. I think it's a deeper conversation with just females in the in the industry, period, more so than them just having to dress respectfully, is the, the way they, ha- they have to advance in this industry. They always have something blocking them. That's why we don't have see a lot of women get up in this space until recently where you can post your own music like um, Meg Thee Stallion did. She posted her own music and really, really blew up with that. But I feel like a lot of these girls in the past really had to sleep their way to the top because of males like this. Because they they because the, the initial conversation was that Kodak didn't let her drop a song because he wouldn't uh he wouldn't clear it or something like that. And it's because he she he wouldn't have sex with her or she wouldn't have sex with him. And it's like a lot of people probably in the past were in that same situation where some shit wasn't clear, one of their biggest hits possibly couldn't get put out. Because she didn't have sex with the, the male in that situation. It's so many situations that we probably can go back to or probably look at and say, damn, somebody's career was halted because of this bullshit, this masculinity, toxic masculinity, what a lot of people like to bring up. So moving on to entertainment and current events, we got the House Passes the More Act. Yeah, so it says right here on barons.com it says the house representatives passed a bill on friday that would decriminalize marijuana fueling hopes that the u.s was one step close closer to opening the doors to the cannabis industry at the federal level and then it says right here the bill would remove marijuana from the list of scheduled substances and establish a process to expunge prior cannabis convictions. It also will impose a federal tax on marijuana products of 5% excise tax for the first two years, increasing by 1% incrementally each year in the next three years. And uh, there isn't a good look on um, whether or not this will be passed by the Senate because it says this is the second time the Moore Act has passed the House. So mm-hmm. people are like, yeah, the House passed it, but it has to also get approved by the Senate. So if the Senate doesn't approve it, it's kind of like they did this for nothing. Oh, and by the way, uh, Moore stands for Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act. That's crazy, bro. I did not know about this act at all or the fact that it was in motion before. But I, th- it's kind of funny because a lot of rich white people probably are on the Senate. They probably are in those positions. And they're and I'm actually surprised that they're not passing this because of the money that can be made off of the legal marijuana. 
So it's it's kind of funny how they're they're turning down the 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 chance to make more money because they want to leave a majority of black people in jail for some bullshit crimes. That's really what they're saying here. We want exactly. black people to stay in jail more so than we want to make more money off of this weed shit. And that's just crazy to me that they're choosing uh, black people staying in jail over money. You think money would be the 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 obviously the the case for everybody to just oh yeah just fuck it whatever you got to do to make more money. But they they saying no, nah, we want these black people to stay in jail. We don't care what they talking about. Because decriminalizing marijuana and freeing wrongly imprisoned black people. I know it ain't just black people selling weed, but it's ninety nine percent us. Yeah. <laughs> so, but freeing black people from prison rich white people will have to admit that they were wrong and admit that they did race systemic racial stuff against us to keep us behind and white people will rather not pass this and miss out on the money and keep us systematically in prison than admit they were wrong and let us free that's really all it is so shout out to the house for the second time in a row getting this act passed but it, it's going to be up to the Senate again to, to get this approved. So I, I hope they do. I hope there's a change of heart somewhere. But in the in the past, that hasn't happened. So I hope it's different. Because isn't there a majority Democrat in the House? Isn't that majority Democrat? Yeah, I believe so. But the, the Senate is not the same way, I'm pretty sure. Is it the same way? I thought they said we had the no, House no. and the Senate. I don't. Last time I said I don't think we had the Senate. Mm, okay. So that's probably if, we, if, if Democrats were the majority in the Senate and the House, I don't think people would look at the Senate um, as negatively as they would in this situation because they're really looking at the Senate like this isn't going to get passed. So yeah. in my opinion, I, I think that means they're majority Republican at that point. So I already knew they were mostly Republican off, off of that shit alone, off of the shit being turned down the first time, but I could have sworn I heard the House and Senate was both Democrat. So that shit is crazy, bro. They're turning down money to keep us, and I don't even think they have to turn or have to admit that they're wrong, really, because it was a crime at the time, but it's just not a crime anymore with uh marijuana becoming more and more legal. Just let these dudes free, bro. It's not a it's not a crime anymore. So why are they in prison for what? For something that's not a crime. It's not crime. So it, it just doesn't make any sense with that bullshit, bro. It really I does. agree. Moving on, we got Tory Lanez back at it again. Yeah, so uh, Tory Lanez violated uh, basically a, a part of his probation or whatever, where he um, not not his probation, but he he violated some personal contact stuff that the judge told him not to do, which is basically some of the tweets he was putting out were against Meg The Stallion directly, and a lot of people were questioning, you know, well, how come he's getting um put in jail for that, and Meg isn't because Meg was tweeting too or whatever. I think Tory was the only one who the judge like actually gave specific orders of you're not allowed to contact this person. You're not allowed to talk to or about this person on social media. And Tory went against those guidelines and was put in prison with bail set at $350,000. But in less than 24 hours, he cleared that bail and he got out. So I, I just thought it was interesting that he actually did go to jail in this situation, although it was less than a day. But the trial is set for September 14th. So I gonna keep pushing it. We're never going to know what happened with this situation. I'm sure of it at this point. They're gonna continue to push it back till we forget the shit even going on. I also really promise that because I've already high key forgotten about this whole situation. I did too. It's just it's the fact that we yeah, it's the fact that we keep getting reminded with bullshit like this, or 
they have a, a spat on social media, like on Instagram when they were going back and forth or on Twitter. It's like, oh, y'all do have beef. Oh, you did shoot her mm-hmm. or allegedly shot her. That's the only time when I remember this shit even happened, for real. So September 14th, by that time, I'm going to forget about this. But somebody that really need to shut their damn mouth? Academics, bro. Academics is so, like, he's so into this case. And it's like, bro, you weren't there. You not cool or friends with either of these people. Why are you so hell-bent on trying to prove Matt the Stallion wrong? Like, that, that just doesn't make sense. And the fact that he came out on Twitter and said, I've been getting my information from Rock Nation. Jay-Z going to be on your ass, boy. <laughs> you can't just be out here saying you get an information from Rock Nation on a, a federal court case that nobody else is getting access to. And you saying, oh, I got my information from Rock Nation. Jay-Z going to be like, who is this nigga? <laughs> like, <laughs> so, hey, act better chill, bro. And he's speaking on stuff that he doesn't really fully know about. Because just because they said DNA was inconclusive, of Tory Lanez on the gun doesn't mean he didn't have any DNA on there. So the fact that academics is out here saying, you know, Tory is innocent, like there was no DNA. No, it was inconclusive, which means there's no definite answer of whether it is or isn't. But it just means it's less likely that that it is. So I I just think he's one of the people in the situation that really need to be quiet. Tory needs to just be quiet, too. If you didn't do it, bro, just... Just state your case, go on about your business, and don't talk to her directly on social media. And the thing about academics, like, he one of those people that we continue to give him more clout. I, I, I truly believe that. Y'all giving him press, talking about some, y'all posting everything that he says. Like, I haven't listened to academics for a long time. I used to fuck with academics, honestly, before he really started to become so mainstream. But y'all are giving him more clout by posting them on the shade room, posting them on Twitter, continue to repost and talk about whatever the fuck he's talking about. Y'all got to stop giving this nigga energy, bro. Y'all really have to because he's becoming DJ Vlad in the community. Y'all know how DJ Vlad gets viewed. Like he has the little cult of his community where a lot of people do fuck with him, but the majority do not fuck with DJ Vlad because a lot of people think he's the feds. It's not the same way with uh, academics, but it is at the same time where he has his, his cult following and then nobody else really fucks with him. Y'all have to stop giving him this energy, bro. Because now he's just going to feel like he's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Y'all just got to stop giving it to academics, bro. He he, a cool character and all, but he just a loudmouth at the end of the day. He has no plugs. So why do we keep acting like he's a celebrity and get, caring what the fuck he's talking about? He's just a talking head. <laughs> he's just a talking head like everybody else who has a podcast. He's just one of us. <laughs> but we continue to give this nigga clout. Like, that shit is ridiculous to me. But let's move forward to Jada not defending Will Smith. So this situation had me hot, bro. I ain't even gonna lie. I was on Chris Rock's side last week. But Jada, this this shit had me hurt, bro. Because Jada came out in an interview. She was asked about the whole situation. And she said that Will Smith shouldn't have did what he did at the Oscars last Sunday. He shouldn't have hit Chris Rock. He was out of line. Everybody knows, bro, about the situation, about the slap. It was one of the biggest deals in TV history. But the fact that Jada is not riding for her man when her man was just riding for her is crazy to me, bro. That's the one time you should either shut up or you got to stand 10 toes behind whatever he did because he did that for you. He didn't do that for his pride. He did that for you. He he wasn't getting up for anybody else. They could have made a joke about Will and Will wasn't getting up. It was the fact that he's seeing your face, he's seeing how hurt you was, and he said, I got to do something about this shit. 
And the fact that you not standing up behind him is crazy to me, bro. That shit is just upsetting, bro. Yeah, and another thing I heard that she said, I don't know if this was true, but she said something about I don't need anybody defending me or something like that. It's like, bro, what? Like a man, like your man literally slapped somebody for making a joke about you that hurts your feelings on national television, on the biggest entertainment stage of the Grammys. I mean, of the of the Oscars other than the Grammys, you know, that that's just like I agree with you, bro. You either gotta shut the hell up. Or be ten toes down and be like, hell yeah, my my husband slapped the fuck out of whoever talks shit about me. Like, I, I just don't get it. And it's another situation where Will obviously cares a lot more than she does. <laughs> so it, and, this just, is, and this is bad, and this is the thing about the whole situation, bro, because not only is the feels like the entire masses are getting on Will Smith for the whole situation, he's getting I'm hearing reports that a lot of uh, certain producers are stepping away from him when you talk about Sony and other uh, movie companies are stepping away from him. So, uh, like, the entire masses are stepping away from Will. He doesn't need you, his wife, to be stepping away from him. Now, now he feels like everybody is against him at this point. And the person that he was defending cannot do that shit, bro. He was defending you! And you do that? That shit, like I said, it's just wild to me, bro. It's just wild. I don't get it. But, hey, he, <laughs> he loved Will. Love, love will make you, bro. Love will make you do shit, bro. Love will make you do shit you never thought you'd do. Love will make you stay with people you never thought you'd stay with, bro. That's crazy, dog. But moving on to the next topic, we got Elon Musk owns Twitter. So in a recent report from Forbes.com, let me get this shit pulled up. Twitter will put Elon Musk on its board, a move that comes less than a day after Musk revealed a new million-dollar position in the company, making him its largest shareholder. But now my question is, Elon Musk is obviously one of the richest people in the world, if not the richest person in the world behind uh, Bezos. And, but now he's already has Tesla, getting all the money off of that. But what can he do when he has a platform to himself and he has all of this control? What do you think he does with this platform? Do you think he will put out certain messages? Because you know when somebody like Elon Musk tweets, so many people follow it, especially when it's about stocks. Uh, when people when he tweets, stocks start to go up, stuff like that. Do you think Elon Musk is just using Twitter as a ploy for something related to stocks or something like that to get even more money? I, wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Rich people do shit like that all the time. So it wouldn't surprise me that... Uh, one of the richest people in the world is using a social media platform to stay rich. Like he that bought one. He's so rich that he bought the social media and said, "Yeah, I'm gonna do whatever I want on this shit. Y'all can't <laughs> tell me shit. Y'all can't control me because I'm its largest shareholder." He's literally that big now. I I think what we could expect is because I heard he's trying to make phones as well, like not just Tesla cars, but actual Tesla phone. So if you're in a situation where, like, let's say 10, 15 years from now, like he's, I don't want to say the next Steve Jobs, but he's in a Steve Jobs position where he's making like the next revolutionary phone on top of having revolutionary cars. Maybe he could find a way to make Twitter interchangeable with all of that. You know, maybe if you, if you have Twitter, then you get certain access to certain shit with the, with the um, Tesla phone or something like that. I don't know. I feel like he's going to use Twitter to, intermingle all of that tesla stuff mm, but my question is why would you buy twitter and not just make your own app 
Because I think it would be dope. I think it would be dope if he made a, a Tesla app where only people who have Teslas can be on the app or be on that social media where we just socialize with each other and that that's just the community that is on that app. I feel like that would be dope. So why buy I don't, Twitter? I don't think he would do that because with the metaverse, I feel like in the next 10 years, the metaverse, I've said it before, the metaverse is going to be what um what Ready Player One, what, what was that called? Like the... um. What did they call that shit? The Oasis. I feel like the metaverse is going to be what the Oasis was in Ready Player One. So why make a Tesla app where only a few people, because it ain't like everybody in the world is driving But it would be dope, though, to have a community of people with Teslas. You can put a community of people with Teslas in the metaverse. Like, you can have... What do you mean? Are you saying the people from Twitter are going to be on... What do you mean? Because the metaverse, and the way I'm thinking of it, the metaverse is going to be an interchangeable digital platform that you can go into. And that's why people are doing the NFTs. That's why people are making NFT yachts and doing this, that, and the third. Because it's going to be a, a social platform where you can digitally go into and live life. So if you can mm-hmm. find a way to put Tesla in that and make a Tesla community there, it could still be the same thing to your point. You can only people the only people who can get in there have to have a Tesla and it'll be in the metaverse still. Like I feel like that's how you can kind of what, what does Twitter have world. to do with that is my question. Why are you buying Twitter when you could have made your own separate thing that you could have made it put into the metaverse? Yeah, see that that's where my theory kind of gets tripped up because I that's why I was saying he could kind of interchange them all, but to your point, how what's the point of getting Twitter then at that point? You but so. you just became the and and it's not like Twitter is one of the most money making social medias. Like it's honestly behind a lot when you talk about Snapchat, TikTok, Instagram, even Facebook. It's behind a lot of it. It's been static for a long time. Even though the stock price could go up, it's been honestly static when you talk about followers and people actually new users on the social media site. So why are you buying a social media like that? That's become so static. It just feels weird. I feel like he's up to something else. Are are you going to make it your own Facebook? Are you trying to become another? uh, What's my man who made Facebook? Uh, Zuckerberg. Yeah. Are you trying to become Zuckerberg? Are you trying to make Twitter uh, another type of Facebook or Instagram? Is that what you're trying to do? Because Twitter is the only social media that isn't like everything else where you're just posting pictures and that's all you see. And that's that's the only social media. The only one that you're actually seeing words most of the time. So is he going to try to have his own social media where it's just another Facebook or another Instagram, really? Damn. I don't know. Maybe he sees something that we don't see right now. Like you said, tw- Twitter has been static for a little minute. So maybe he sees something that we don't that over the next year or so we'll be like, oh, this is what he planned on doing the whole time. So maybe he just sees something that we don't. He plotting something. It got to be about the messages because I don't know if y'all know, but he was somebody who was big in Dogecoin. He was one of the big reasons why Dogecoin was going through the roof, and he was one of the big reasons why Dogecoin hit the shit up. So he is somebody who has a lot of control if he says anything on Twitter. If he is the largest shareholder, I don't think a lot of people can tell him he can't tweet certain shit. Oh, you can't do this about certain stocks, this, that, and the third, so he can make more money. I think this is an easy way for him to just do whatever the fuck he wants. Y'all can't tell me shit unless you're the president just kicking me the fuck off. It's, it has to be some sort of ploy like that, or he's trying to just make Twitter Instagram, which I wouldn't fuck with at all. So it's either one of the two of me. <laughs> I don't know if it can honestly fall anywhere in between. <laughs> All right, man, and let's move on to 
dead body of a rapper was propped up in a nightclub? What this wild one shit is fun- this? I was going to say, this was one of the funniest and weirdest things I've ever seen in my life. So, uh, Bliss Nightclub has apologized on Instagram after photos and videos surfaced of what appeared to be the body of 24-year-old D.C. area rapper Markel Moreau, known as Gunu, on stage during a funeral event held at the club. Moreau was killed last month in District Heights, Maryland, and the murder is still unsolved. And this is the statement that Bliss Nightclub gave. Bliss was contacted by a local funeral home to rent out our venue for GNU's homegoing celebration. Bliss was never made aware of what would transpire. We sincerely apologize to all those who may be upset or offended. So on April 3rd, on Sunday, there was some club event at this uh, funeral home. Shit, shit made no sense. Like the dead body. It wasn't at a funeral home. It was at a nightclub. I mean, at the nightclub, the the funeral home wanted to do an event at the nightclub for for what the fuck reason. (laughs) I don't know. But um, they propped this body up. He had a whole fit on and everything. A dead body, bro. A corpse in the club. Everybody just partying, dancing, taking pictures by him and everything. I'm like, what the fuck is this? This isn't a wax figure. Like, it, it was just crazy, bro. That was the weirdest shit I've ever seen. And the fact that so many people were comfortable just partying around a dead body, that's what made me so upset. Yeah, so here's a picture of it. Rapper's Gnu Courts was propped up at the D.C. nightclub during artist funeral. I just, just find it so crazy, bro, that we've gotten to this point that we're so desensitized with anything that a lot of people at that club weren't even affected by this. They knew damn well it was a dead body up there, and these niggas are recording it. Hey, they they're not saying, saying, oh, get body off the, the, the stage. They're not saying any of that shit. They're just so desensitized to it. And I think this honestly caps off how we are in today's society. When you, you see so much killing happen on social media, I think this just is the, the, the tip of the iceberg when we talk about that shit. That we're not affected by anything anymore. We can see a dead body that's laying up in a club and we just like, oh, this shit funny. Oh, we got to talk about this shit. Oh, we got to record it. Instead of doing the sensible thing of getting this shit off the stage or doing the sensible thing of telling somebody to tighten the fuck up and get right with the situation to have respect for the person who just died. Because this shit ain't even respectful. Like, why would would somebody want to be hung like that or propped up like that as their funeral? It don't make sense. I don't care how good he was or if he wanted to die, uh, have a funeral in a nightclub. I know damn well he didn't want to go out like that being propped up like a fucking statue. Like, that shit is disrespectful, bro. Yeah, I, I was not fucking with it, bro. I, I seen the video. I'm like, bro, what? That 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 blew me, bro. Had that many people around a dead body and just dancing. No one was even sad. Like, I didn't see any crying faces. Yeah, bro, it was, bro, it was firecrackers like, going no. over in the background. I'm just like, niggas going, niggas are celebrating this shit. Crazy, bro. <laughs> that shit just was crazy. wild, bro. That shit was wild. And moving on to one of the last topics of the entertainment and current events is Willa Airlines. I was very excited to talk about this because this is an airlines that will be made for Nobody but social media creators. And their first stop is a free flight to Coachella. So what Willa Airlines is, let me pull the article up. Willa Willa Airlines was launched in 2019. Well, it was first called Willa Payments. And it is a payment platform that is aimed at helping freelancers, particularly content creators, request and receive payments quickly from brand sponsors and other collaborators. 
The company said in 2021 that it had raised $21 million in venture capital funding and had a wait list of more than 150,000 freelancers. So they are purely invested in helping out social media creators who are trying to get big in that in that space. And they are flying a few of them out to Coachella. And that's going to be what their main purpose is. So like the big events, if a, a creator needs to go to the New York fashion event, they will send you on a free flight. They're just purely invested in helping out their creators. They're already invested in the money portion because they're already getting money off of the funding of the venture capital. They're already a part of the brand sponsorships and stuff like that. So they're purely invested in the creator's dream. So that shit just, it's just dope to me. Yeah, that's that's fire. We definitely need to fill out whatever registration they got. <laughs> hey, for real. Hey, because look, this is what it said on Twitter. They said, have your TikTok gone viral? or you're somewhat Instagram famous, then you might be able to catch a flight to Coachella this year on Willa Air, a new airline dedicated to content creators. So, hey, if you have blown up recently, you, all you have to do is apply at Willa Air or WillaAirlines.com. You have until April 8th to apply. And they say on April 15th, that's when you're actually going to fly out to Coachella. They ain't going to pay for your tickets or no shit. You still gonna have to pay for your tickets, but it is a free flight. So if you're a creator, you can definitely be a part of what Willa Air has going on. It's limited right now, but they said they're going to try to grow with as many creators as they put on. So it was, it's a dope, it's a dope little thing that they're starting up. Yeah, that's, that's fire, bro. Damn. Mm -hmm. Willa Airlines. Yeah, like they got their own airplane, say everything, or yeah, they got their own airplane. Let me put let me share the screen. They got their own airplane, bro. That's crazy. They got their own airplane and all. This it right here. That's damn near a private jet. That's what I'm saying. Like this, they just got damn near a private jet. What the? They got their own shit, bro. They have their own shit. That's what I'm saying. They're they chilling. They and look, and this is another thing. This is another thing. So it says, in addition to the free travel, the airline's luxury offerings include a pre-flight champagne bar and a post-festival weekend detox with IV drips, massages, and a juice bar at the company's Venice Beach Lounge in Los Angeles, according to its website. The flight lasts under an hour, during which time influencers will have champagne, drinks, and dessert, not to mention plenty of opportunities to collaborate with their fellow content creators. So I'm telling you, this is a this is a dope concept that is being made. So even if you're bubbling up, you can still be a part of some of the bigger TikTokers, bigger bigger Instagram people to be a part of this. And I was gonna say, what are the qualifications? Do they have any qualifications listed? Because it's a lot of people that can say, you know, I've been gaining traction on YouTube, or and this is I got this many followers or whatever. So this is what they say for qualifications. They said. A lot of people can apply, but it's only going to be a select amount of people actually picked to go on these flights. And they said if you actually rocked with their their original app, which was Lilla, Willa Pay, and that's the payment platform which was aimed at helping freelancers, they said you're more you're going to be more mm -hmm. applicable. So they said if you weren't really a part of the the Willa payment platform at first, you're not going to be first in line when it comes to that. But if you were, you're going to be first in line. But they say a lot of people can actually apply to it, but they do have preferences when it comes to that. I feel like if you ain't got any more than, if you don't have at least 500,000 subscribers, followers, or whatever, I feel like they're going to be real picky with who they Oh, yeah, most likely. Because the people that are fucking with their social media 
the social media, the, the app that they have, it's only for like brand sponsorships. So if you had certain brand sponsorships, that's only for like the, the higher tier YouTubers. Or the, it could be for some lower tier YouTubers as well, but it's more so for high tier when you think about like brand or big time brand sponsorships. So that's who they're rocking with when you talk about venture capital firms. So that's most likely who they will be going to. But it says right here in the article, anyone can apply. There's no minimum number of social media followers required to be one of the chosen creators who will fly. But the company admits that it will show a preference for applicants who are already users of Willa's payment service platform. In fact, the more payment requests you send through Willa leading to April 8th, the more likely you'll get a ticket to fly to Coachella, according to their website. And like I said, they will continue to have more and more events like this. So you can apply. We don't know if you're going to get picked. But they say there's no shortage of followers that you have to have. So, hey, they're definitely Damn. trying to show love at least. That's what's And they're trying to have more and more, too. So more and more playing. So, hey, they're getting all this money. They're making $21 million in uh, all of uh, cap- venture capital funds. The least you can do is give me a plane. <laughs> For real. Russell Wilson of Square. How oh, did I skip this, how did I I skip totally this topic? Because I, I didn't <laughs> want to talk about that shit. I skipped over this shit to talk about something else, and I forgot to go back to it. I did want to talk about the Russell Wilson is a square thing, bro. Uh, but you can dive into it. You can, you know what I'm saying, lay it out. Funniest shit about all this is majority of people who are commenting on this topic right now have never watched The Pivot or have barely even watched I Am Athlete to give Channing Crowder give his take or give his piece on anything. So the fact that Channing Crowder has had really good takes and really funny takes on shit, but the first time that everybody is really paying attention to him is when he talks about <laughs> Russell Wilson. <laughs> it's just funny as hell. But Channing Crowder basically came out um on the last episode, I think, of um of The Pivot, and he was basically saying how Russell Wilson, if he didn't have any money, he wouldn't have bagged Sierra. And Channing was looking at Sierra like, how do you leave a guy like Future – and just run to Russell Wilson. It has to be because of the money. Like, he's a square. And he was saying, great leader, great football player, great dude in the locker room, but he's corny. Like, the dude's a cornball. And, and you know, black women, women in general, just ate him up on social media. <laughs> Talking about if raising your kids right, if being a great husband, if being a Christian and a family man is corny, then I want a cornball. So. <laughs> this, is the, this is the thing. I hate when people do that shit because... Y'all niggas acting like Russell Wilson isn't a square, quote unquote. I won't call. I won't go so far to call him a cornball. But Russell Wilson is a square. He is a square. I, and I agree with Channing. I agree with Channing Crowder on that point. Everybody acting so outraged over this shit is like, bro, calm the fuck down. And people have been called. I've been called a square before. I've been called lame before. Like, come on, bro. Y'all, this is a little ass comment. Like, Russell Wilson has money. One of the most successful people. Y'all wouldn't even be looking at Russell Wilson way if he wasn't uh, in the NFL and a quarterback. Come on, bro. Y'all gotta calm down, bro. Y'all for real. Right. We all know he was raised right. We we can say all of that shit and still admit that Russell Wilson is a square, bro. By by the and book of what a square is. What you know? What I'm saying the, by the book part about guy. it. The funny part about it is a lot of women who are coming in Russell's defense, y'all are the women that didn't want to talk to niggas like this in high That's school. That's what I'm saying. That's That's, it's, fake it, bro. Bro. That's it's fake outrage, bro. It's fake outrage. It's fake outrage, bro. Y'all are grown. I, I, I know I usually side with women on stuff like this, but let me go ahead and say it. 
a lot of women who are defending Russell Wilson right now are the same women who would have not talked to this type of nigga in high school. Every I just want to go ahead and point that out. Y'all know damn well y'all wanted to talk the futures when y'all were exactly. In high school, but now that y'all are older, now that y'all are more wise and more understanding of what a real man is, all of a sudden now you want to Russell Wilson. Just just calm the fuck down. I I agree with Quincy. It's fake outrage. Russell Wilson is a great guy. He's a family guy, but he is corny. Like he is lame. That Mister Unlimited shit that he was doing. You yeah, can't sit and, here and, and tell me that shit was not lame as hell. Like you just and, and it's and it's okay. Like I said, I've been called these things before. It's I've cool. been called it's lame like, my whole life. It's that's fine. what I'm saying. Like it's, it's, it's okay. Totally like y'all taking y'all taking this square shit too seriously, bro. It's literally just a comment that niggas get called every time and just walk past. It's it's cool, bro. Like he's exactly. a square. A lot of people have been called squares before. It's fake outright. That I'm saying because like I've been said, if he didn't have money, type niggas. My whole that's life. what I'm like, saying. I, and this is but this is the thing about Channing Crowder though. He was he was he was going a little too crazy about that shit because. Future has a reputation for treating women terribly. So, yeah. like, why why would obviously she would leave this nigga because he treats women like shit? <laughs> and Russell Wilson is a good dude that will probably treat her well. That's literally the reason. That's that's all he needs, honestly. I, the money adds to it, but I believe in the nigga who I agree because Ryan Clark said something along those same lines. Like the toxic masculinity has to go out the window, and obviously the good guy with money obviously helps. Yeah, I, I just I just thought it was funny. Nobody paid attention to Channing Crowder before this moment. <laughs> That's just the funniest part out of all of this to me. And it's the fact that people who don't usually watch him or listen to him, they're thinking like he's also a future type of nigga or he's also a toxic masculine person. Definitely not. It's like, no, like he, he literally has a great relationship with his wife and is a loving father to his kids. He just understands, like, the rest of us niggas who do. I really feel like it's women who are upset about this. Niggas understood what Channing was It was, was some saying. niggas, no. It was some niggas, too, that was upset over this, too, though. That's true. But for the most part, niggas knew what he was talking about. I knew what he meant. I like, knew what I he totally meant, too. I totally understood what Channing <laughs> It's like, I get what Channing's saying. He's not saying he's a bad dude or a bad father and Sierra shouldn't be with him. But we understood that Russell Wilson, he he's lame, bro. Like, it, it's just... And moving on to past the ox, what you got for past the ox? Uh, no charge by future off of the purple rain tape. No charge by future. I've been listening to a lot of two chains this week. I'm gonna run with some. Actually, I've been listening to a lot of Titty Boy. <laughs> That's what I've been listening to. Yeah. Between, I'm going to go with... Titty Boy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because on Apple Music, they still have him labeled as Titty Boy. I thought they changed all of his names to Two Chains, but he's still labeled as Titty Boy on here, which is oh, hilarious wow. to me. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Crazy as hell. And it's Between Me and You by Two Chains featuring Gouda. But that's you know, been fucking heavy in my truck or in my car. So you want to know what's fun. crazy with two chains? I seen a um, I seen another tweet. I want to say it was either yesterday or earlier today, and it was talking about how people who are over the age of thirty, if you're still trying to rap, you need to give it up. And some people were like, "Well, what about two chains?" And it's like two chains is the one outlier in all of that. Because he was rapping and he was doing okay as far as like the Atlanta, Georgia area. Like he was known there, but he kept rapping, kept rapping. And after his 30s, like mid 30s, damn near, that's when Two Chains 
Titty Boy turning into 2 Chains really started blowing up. Especially when he did Duffel Bad Boy with Wayne and just really started getting on that mainstream sound and did that tape with uh that True Religion mixtape with Big Sean and T.I. and all them people. That's when 2 Chains really hit it. So the the whole excuse of, well, 2 Chains made it. 2 Chains is an outlier and one of the few rappers I've ever seen or heard of being over the age of 30, 30 or 35 and actually making it as a rapper. So shout out to I Chains. don't believe that to be true because a lot of people that I listen to are very old and they've started their career late. I listen to Conway the Machine. I listen to Benny the Butcher. I listen to Freddie Gibbs. And all of these people started their rap careers in their 30s. And I fuck with rappers like that because they actually experience shit so they have shit to rap about. I think that's more so why I gravitate toward them because I know the shit is genuine. You have all of these young people coming out and they rapping about shit they never did. But when you listen to people like Conway, you listen to people like Benny, you listen to people like Freddie Gibbs, even Pusher T, for example, he's 44. He started rapping when he was probably about 32. So it's similar when you listen to those. They're more so cult rappers. They get labeled that, but they're some of the best rappers in the game today. But they all rap about that shit because they actually been through that shit, though. Like I, I believe every word that they're saying, and that's why I don't, I don't believe that. It's true that I believe that to be true that you can't start your career late. You can. It's a, it's a, it's a few out there, and they're the best in this industry too. Like Freddie Gibbs was just nominated for a Grammy last year, and Griselda is one of the top rap groups uh, right now. So I don't, I don't believe that to be true. Moving on to movie and show reviews. Uh, yeah, we got Snowfall. Snowfall episode eight about to come on in a little bit. Uh, I think Power Book Four is finally done. I ain't even gonna lie to y'all. I totally forgot about this show, but um, we're gonna do a season review for that. Bel Air just ended, so we have to do a season review for season one. I, I got a lot of shit to get off my chest with that. Uh, but um, I just saw Morbius. Quincy just saw Morbius, so we'll have a review coming out soon for that. Moon Knight episode two. We'll have a review for that coming soon. Uh, everything, everywhere, all the time. Never heard of that. So Quincy going to talk Bro, about that. <laughs> I seen these previews yesterday when I went to go see Morbius. X is like a, it's like a family going to, not a family, but it's a group of people going to shoot like pornos in uh, in a, a X-rated, not an X-rated town, but a, a excluded town. Like it's a rural town, but they live next door to somebody that is crazy as fuck. So it's like a slasher film. This shit looks crazy though. I want you to look at the trailer and get back to me if you want to do that shit. The X looks actually what crazy though. It's, it's not. It's not about porn. I know you th- what you think. It's gonna be the porn all the time. And porn is gonna be in the movie, but it's more so about the slashing film. So that that shit looks like it's gonna be pretty good. And everything, everywhere, all the time. I'm hearing so many good reviews about this movie. It has Sandra Oh in it. She's from Grey's Anatomy. She's also been in some other shows recently, but she's in this, and they are saying that this is going to be one of the most impactful movies of this decade when you talk about the multiverse. They said this movie has the potential to be better than something that is coming up, like the multiverse of madness, because they're going to show you the different ways that you could be living your life. You're going to show you the potential in these other different realities other than what you're living right now. So I think, I think I've dope. seen a preview for that. Yeah. I think I might have seen a preview for that. You probably did. And I'm hearing good reviews about this shit too. Where good, where good did reviews. you see where did you see Morbius at? I was in Penelope's Park. Damn, for real? Because that's why I watched it too. 
I did not see no preview for X. That's crazy. I don't know. Maybe they played different previews when I went. No, I, would, I wasn't in Pinellas Park. I went to Tyrone. I went to Tyrone. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I was about to say, I was at Regal and Pinellas Park. I didn't see X. I didn't see everything everywhere all the time. Because I think that everywhere all the time movie, I seen a trailer for that either on my phone or I may have been that downtown. Come out, that come out on Friday. Yeah, that come out on. Yeah, this I was Friday. probably downtown when I seen that one. That shit, I'm telling you, that shit looks good, bro. It looks so different. Because obviously you got so much magical shit happen with this multiverse of madness and everything like that. But this shit looks like legit more so grounded than the, the, the multiverse that we're seeing in the MCU. So it could be like a different take. And I think that's a, a good way to go with us going in this direction to, in the MCU to give us something different. And I think mm-hmm. this is going to be a, a legit movie. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And that is it for movie and show reviews. Edgar, you got anything else? Uh, no, that's it. All right, bro. You can hit him with the social media. You can follow us on Twitter at QE Podcast One, Instagram at Q A N D E Podcast, Facebook and YouTube at Q and Sign E Podcast, and our Gmail at Q A N D E Podcast at gmail.com. I, we know we, what the, I, I've been called a lame, so I feel like I have the right to point out other lames. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> bro. I, you know what the consensus calls lame, and I think that's what it is. Like, we know what exactly. the bar for lame is. Like, okay, yeah, you lame. Like I said, like you said, we've both been called that shit, so it makes sense. We can talk about this shit. Cool niggas can't talk about that shit, but we, we can talk about that shit, honestly. But um, I want to talk about another point. I don't forgot about that shit. Fuck it. Move on. But uh, I forgot about what I was going to say. Uh, you already hit them with the social media. All right. Yeah. Uh, you can subscribe to our podcast platforms on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Higher Heart Radio. Uh, what I usually say. Uh, subscribe to the QNE Media page, QANDE Media. Instagram is QANDE Media. And the Twitter is QE Media. We appreciate you guys for listening. And we out. Peace.